Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. Again, this new series, Change the World, Change Your Life, it's about prayer. And I have kind of a routine, and this illustrates what, I want to, what we want to get across. I have a routine. Every morning I <clears throat> spend a lot of time in prayer and studying the Bible, but after that I do a workout, and I don't look forward to that workout. And I've got weights and do some weights, and I do sit-ups, and I do push-ups, and I do the treadmill and all that stuff. And you know, after, after that Bible study and prayer time in the morning, I just, I got things to do and I just want to get going and I just don't want to do this workout. At least I didn't. When you know you're accomplishing something, like I knew I was accomplishing something and I didn't want to do those exercises. I, I didn't want to do it, but I knew I was accomplishing something. And when you know you're accomplishing something, you're willing to invest yourself in it. Let me say that again. When you know something good is happening and when you're accomplishing something, you're willing to invest yourself in it. And that's what prayer is all about. Folks, you got to believe as we begin, you need to believe that God hears and answers prayer. I mean, you got to really believe that. That's not just in uh, uh, wasted efforts. You got to really believe that. I mean, you, you, you and me need to have confidence that, that, that God's promises are absolutely certain. Every prayer to God is personal. Now, that, people have a problem with that. You know, he's got so many prayers, but every prayer to God is personal. He hears it, he loves it, he answers it. And when we begin to pray with that kind of confidence that God's working, then that time that you pray, in, that time you spend in prayer, and I'm not kidding you, it will be. It will become the most precious, valuable time of your day. And maybe you'll get like me because I guard that time of day. When I say you guard, I mean you set it aside. You schedule other things around it. And you got to know this, that prayer and the Word of God go hand in hand. My prayer time is my Bible time. At the same time, I'm, praying, I'm studying the Bible, I'm praying. I mean, I'm praying the Word back to God. I'll read the Word of God, and I'll see something in the Word of God, and I'll say, hey, man, God, make that happen in so-and-so's life. Make that happen in the church. Make that happen in my life. God, and you pray the Word right back to God. And it's more than just asking. Prayer is praising God for who He is. I mean, I'm serious about this when I say that, I, I, and I work at this, I, I, I'm conscious of this. Most of my prayers, most of my prayers are praise, because the focus is on God when you're praising Him, and not on me, and not on you. And I, I'll read something in the Word to praise God for. You know, you just tell Him, praise you, Lord, for your compassion, your mercy, your power, your sovereign will. Praise you for this, praise you for that. You know what else you do during that time? You think of details, details. You relive a day and think of details to thank God for. You, 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 you go through a day and you think of sins to confess. And that's, that's a big part of your prayer time because you're building a relationship with God. See what happens as your prayer time becomes your best time of the day. Hey, this really, this kind of turns me on about, this will turn you on, this will pump you up about prayer. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is going before the Lord on behalf of his nation. And the Bible says he's mourning, he's fasting, and he's praying. Daniel 10, he's mourning, he's fasting, and he's praying. And I just look at Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. An angel comes to Daniel, and the angel says, the angel continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the, listen to this, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, that means to go to God in prayer and say, God, where is this nation going? And to humble yourself in prayer before your God from the first moment your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words and to your prayer. 
I mean, I'll tell you, what's that telling you, man? It tells you, it tells you when you pray, when you pray, your words are heard. He said, well, when you began to pray, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. You pray, things happen, and sometimes God even sends angels. I mean, you pray, he hears, he answers. You got to believe that, man. I call this first message in the series on prayer the attitude of prayer. Attitude is how you think. And we have to think like this. Who are we connecting with when we pray? Who are you connecting with? You got to think like that, man. I mean, just reason us out for a minute. Who are you connecting with? God the Father who loves us without, without what? Without limit. He loves us without limit. He pla- Can you believe this? He planned the death of his own son to satisfy his justice. See, sin had to be punished. A just God just can't, oh, go ahead, do what you want. I, I'll just ignore your sin because I love you so much. That's nonsense. A just God can't do that. He has to deal with sin. He can't ignore sins. He has to punish it. Here's the big deal. He didn't punish me. He didn't punish you if you're a believer. He punished his son. And you know what? His son received that punishment. Gladly, willingly. Now, now that's, wouldn't you say that's love? I mean, that, that is love. That's the God who hears and answers your prayers. Limitless love. Infinite power. Faithful to his promises. Faithful to hear. Faithful to answer. I read Psalm 50.15 last week. I'm studying Psalm 15. Psalm 50.15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Three parts. Number one, call upon me in the day of trouble. Number two, I will deliver you. And number three, you will honor me. Call upon me in the day of trouble. There's the command, right? A command to pray. Okay, number two. Here's the promise to answer. I will deliver you. And number three, your response. You will honor or you will glorify me. How many times um, does Jesus say in the Gospels, whatever you ask the Father in my name, now he's going out in a limb. Whatever he asks the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now that doesn't mean he's just going to give you a Kawasaki motorcycle if you want a new Kawasaki motorcycle. It's not going to happen. It means, when Jesus says in my will, he means, or in my name, excuse me, he means in keeping with Jesus' will. Not what you want, but what he wants for you. But get the promise, whatever you ask, The Father, Jesus says, in my name, in keeping with my will, you have it. Over and over and over again, we have that promise in the New Testament. You've got to think like that. We come to our God whose love is limitless, whose power is infinite, who's faithful to every promise. I mean, you just take those promises now. Those are their truth or lies. And, And he's faithful to answer every promise. And I think like that. And seriously, you know, when I go into prayer, I say, okay, now it's time to pray. I say to myself, as I go into prayer, please think like this. I am about to change the world. I am about to change my life. And I'm about to change some other lives. You got to think like that. I am, I, right now, I, this is my most powerful time of the day. I'm about to change the world. I'm about to change my life. And I'm about to change some other lives. So leave me at it, man. Leave me at prayer. And, and that's why I get up early. And that's why I schedule other things around it. In this first message on prayer, it's so right to look at Jesus and the greatest prayer in God's word. And you know this, Jesus Christ is true God, but at the same time, he was true man. Okay, just like you, just like me. And the only difference is, is he he never sinned. And as true man, just like I have needs and you have needs, so he had needs in his greatest, and he had to go before his father. He just had to go before his father. That was his greatest need to go before his father. I like Luke chapter six, Luke chapter six, and this is verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Oh, I love this. And he spent the night praying to God. He, one of those days, he went to a mountainside early before the sunset. And then he decided, he got, so, he, he got so caught up in prayer, he decided to hang out there all night, just have an all-nighter with his father. 
and just prayed all night. Isn't that great? I look at Mark 1, and this is verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Prayer was a source of life, a source of power. I see Jesus praying all night. I just kind of see him there sitting, standing up, walking around, waving his arms, very animated, talking to his father, saying, Father, just walking around. Father, did, did you see the disciples? You know, I just see some neat things happening in their lives. Father, open their hearts. They're not hearing me. Father, I, I look at all those people going into the temple, carrying their animals of sacrifice, and it's all duty. There's no heart. It's all religion. They're not saved. And that breaks my heart. And he's walking around, waving his arms around. Maybe he's crying. Maybe he said, Father, I'm weary. Slow me down. I need some rest. <laughs> Maybe he said, um, Father, I love you so much. It was the night before his death. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Prayer was a source of life, of strength, power, anything. He took three disciples on the inside with him, Peter, James, and John. And this is the word of God we look at today. Luke or Matthew. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with them. And he began, listen to this, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Check this out. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed. He was troubled, he was sorrowful. And he said, my soul is overwhelmed. This is true God talking. True God and true man. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me, meaning pray with me. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Keep watch means pray with me. Support me in prayer. Prayer is the only thing that's going to get me through this deal, see? And going a little further, verse 36, verse 39. He fell, to, he, fell, he fell with his face to the ground. Can you see that? And he prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. He found the disciples sleeping, went back and prayed a second time. In verse 42, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. He found him sleeping, and he went and prayed one more time. And when he came out of that garden, look at this, look at this, verse 45. Then he, then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Notice the difference. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Let us go face the enemy. See the difference? He went into that garden sorrowful, right? My, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he came out and he says, Okay, guys, wake up. There comes the enemy. Let's go face it. I mean, do you see the change? Do you see the change in the Lord? So let's consider these attitudes that we need to take into prayer. This is the way we approach prayer. First of all, it was a lonely prayer. Verse 36, he went to a private place. It says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place. It was a private, secluded place called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, the Bible tells us continually to pray or to pray continually or to pray without ceasing. And here's the point I'm making. This is the only point I'm making. We're praying all day as believers in Christ. We're, we're confessing our sins. We're thanking God for the little things we see. We're praying for God's help. We're praying all day. But, and this is a very important but, there needs to be a lonely time. Jesus knew that. That's why he said in Matthew 6, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret. And then here's a promise. There's a command and the promises. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
See, we have to have that time alone to alone with God to bring prayer into the realm of intimacy and out of the realm of duty. Let me say that again. We've got to have that time in prayer alone with God to bring prayer into the realm of intimacy and take it out of the realm of duty. And you don't develop that intimacy if you just pray while you're walking around and you're on the job or washing your car or vacuuming your floors or taking care of the baby. And we got to pray at that time too, all day. But, but it lacks something. You don't develop that intimacy with God. So we have to take that daily time alone. I'll tell you what, that time alone with God, and this is very, very important. I hope you get this. This time alone with God is when I struggle with stuff. You know, as I pray and read the Word of God, the Spirit of God works in and on you and me, folks. I mean, Jesus went into that garden, and he was in inner turmoil. He said, Father, this idea of bearing sin in my body, this deal about you pouring out all your wrath against their sin on me, and me being separated or alienated from you, even for a short time, this whole deal about all the pain, Father, if there's another way. But like I said earlier, look, he came out resolved. He said in verse 46 of Matthew 26, he said, look, here comes the betrayer. Let's go face this deal. What just happened? Through this whole deal of prayer, God worked on the inside of Jesus Christ. He went in there, he went in there in inner turmoil and he came out resolved. He came out resolved to face this whole deal, see? And, and, and we have to give our Father in Heaven the opportunity to deal with us. He took his son through a process. He went in in turmoil and came out resolved. You go into prayer in turmoil and you come out resolved. We have to give the Father in heaven that that alone time with him in prayer with his word because at that time we're more vulnerable, we're more open than we will ever be. And God can take you through the same process as he took his son. I'll tell you, God's been dealing with me with this self-denial thing lately. In, in my prayer time alone with him, about denying myself the, the stuff I don't need, about denying myself my personal time for the sake of others, you know, about laying off certain foods, about denying myself lots of stuff, see? And I don't want to give up my time and my plans and what I enjoy that's bad for me. And then the thoughts come to me in prayer during that alone time with God. The thoughts like this come to me. I've given you everything. Can't you give up this little thing for me? I mean, is this too big a deal? Is this too big a deal uh, for you to deny yourself? Is that so difficult? Now, see, I don't know about you folks, but I struggle with that. I do. I really struggle with that because I don't want to do it. And then I say, oh, that's not the voice of God. I'm just hungry. I'll go eat something that, you know, just it'll go away. <laughs> so I go eat and that doesn't help. I just tell myself, this isn't coming from God. This is all me. Well, that's nuts. It is coming from God. And in my prayer time, I have to deal with that, see? You have to give yourself opportunity to struggle with the principles of God's word, man. You're reading that word, you're praying, and you gotta, you gotta give the Father in heaven by the Holy Spirit time to infuse those principles of God in you, and, 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 and you have to deal with them, man. You just gotta deal with that stuff. And how many times I don't wanna obey? I don't wanna obey, I don't wanna do this, and I know I should, but I come out of there like Jesus came out of the Garden of Gethsemane. I come out of that prayer time resolved. How many times did you, like Jesus, have to face something you really didn't want to face? Ask yourself that. And then you dealt with this in prayer, and you came out resolved. And you said, in a sense, in verse 46, like verse 46, Jesus, verse 46, um, let, let, come on, let's go face the enemy now. Let, let's go do what we have to. Let's go do this thing. So prayer has to be, first of all, a lonely time. Secondly, it has to be humble. He got to get into Jesus' human nature here, folks. He was about to face death. He never faced death before. He knew he would rise from death. He knew he would be with his father forever but he didn't like the thought of death. 
And neither do I. I mean, I know I'm going to be with my father forever, but the thought of death and how I'm going to die and, you know, pain or something like that, that that doesn't thrill me too much. (laughs) And here's what he knew in his death. He would have to take all the father's righteous wrath against your sins and my sins. And that's the closest anybody would ever come to hell on earth. And so what did Jesus Christ do? What did he do? He went to the garden. And it says in verse 39, going a little further, what did he do? He fell with his face to the ground before his father and he prayed. He was totally inadequate according to his human nature to face this, according to his human nature. And he fell on his face. And he, see, to get through this whole deal, he needed everything the father had to give him. And he fell on his face. And I thought about the opposite. I was, I was just writing this on the, on the laptop and I just thought about the opposite. I just thought about Jacob. Anybody remember Jacob? He was a conniver. Jacob could outsmart anybody. I mean, Jacob, Jacob was so smart Old Testament Jacob. I'm looking at Genesis 32. You don't have to look at that. But, you know, Jacob was so smart, he could outwit, outsmart anybody. And he's very arrogant about it. He says, hey, Allah, you're no match for me. I can outsmart you. So one day, he goes across this brook called Jabbok, and he goes there alone to pray. And a man comes toward him in the night, and it was the Son of God. And the Bible calls the Son of God, in that case, the Angel of the Lord, capital A, capital L. So the Angel of the Lord, the Son of God, the one we know is Jesus, came to Jacob. And this is Genesis 32. And they wrestle. They wrestle all night. You know, wrestling is tough. They didn't wrestle 10 minutes. They wrestled all night. There were hammer locks, Bull Nelson's, scissor locks. They're all over the place, man. They're grunting. They're groaning. There's agony. There's sweat, man. There's sweat all over the place, man. And finally, after, I mean, they must have been at this thing for hours and hours. And finally, after all these hours of fighting and grunting and groaning, the Son of God sets Jacob up. He sets him up. And he pulls away. And he says, all right, all right, okay, you win. I've had enough. I've had enough. And then Jacob realizes who he'd been struggling with. In Genesis 32, 26, he lunges at him and says, no, you're not leaving me, man. He lunges at him and grabs him and says, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I mean, this guy who was so used to, to never losing, trusting himself, lunged at the Son of God, and folks, he whimpered. Please, please, don't go until you bless me. That's right where this kid needs to be. That's where you need to be. God, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. That's humility. I mean, you see, you, you, you approach the Father needing Him. It's not just duty, man. You go to God with a sense of need. You are so, and more about this next week, but you are so aware of your own inadequacy, so aware. Jesus knew there was no way He would get through this ordeal unless He had everything the Father had to give. I mean, I look at my life, you look at your life, I think of the challenges here at the church every day. I think of our family, which biblically is a higher priority than other challenges. I look at, don't you do this? I look at what needs to be done and it's not getting done. Some issue in your life to face, some issue in somebody else's life to face. Don't you ever say to yourself, Father, it's too much. And here's the big deal. You let it go to him and you trust him. You trust him to give you what you need to face it. See, you need all that he has to give you and meet that challenge. You know, it comes to mind, just came to mind when I was writing this. I'm thinking about moms who homeschool. And they just face that and they say, man, do I have the commitment to do this? Do I have the skill to do this? Do I have the, do I have the commitment to follow through and so on and so forth? I mean, you, you fill in the blanks for your life. God, unless... See, and then you leave it to him. You come with that attitude of humility. The next attitude we take into prayer needs to be a filial attitude, F-I-L-I-A-L. Filial means sonship. You have this attitude, I'm coming to my loving father. 
He wants to be with his children who love him and love his son, Jesus Christ. He wants to be with you in prayer. It's attitude. We have to think like this, man. We, uh, you got to tell yourself, I am God's child. Man, I read Romans 8, 14. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Man, get that. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but listen to this, you received a spirit of what? Of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Man, children, heirs, you got to think like this is attitude. My Father in heaven who has unfailing love and all power and wisdom yearns for me to come into his presence in prayer. And you bring it all back to Christ. The Father surrendered his beloved Son to death so that he could have this father-son or father-daughter relationship with me. He went to that extent because he wants that relationship with me. You know, I think you all think this way. There's nothing I wouldn't do for my kids or grandkids. Nothing I wouldn't give them if it's right. Not if it's wrong, but if it's right. And if it's right and I'm able, they've got it. And I love doing it. Now take that to the level of perfection. I do that with the tainted, sinful human nature. You take that to the level of perfection with our Heavenly Father. He loves it when His children come to Him, man. He cherishes every moment with us. That alone should draw us into Him. Boy, boy you got to think like that. Two more attitudes, okay? Prayer's got to be persevering. It's got to be persevering. Back to Matthew, back to Matthew 26. It's got it's, it's to be... Um, it's got to be persevering. I mean, Jesus never gave up. I mean, verse 44 of Matthew 26 says this. So he left them and went away one more time and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. One comment about persevering prayer, never giving up prayer. Because I believe in prayer there's a moment of breakthrough. A breakthrough moment when God releases you from further prayer about a child, about a circumstance, you sense it. Don't quit praying until God gives you that sense of release. Jesus Christ went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed. He prayed, Father, if it's your will, remove this cup from me. And the Father revealed to him that this is what he had to go through. It was best all the way around. And he confirmed it to his son. And after three times when it was confirmed, his son stopped praying. One more comment. It's got to be a prayer of resignation. When you go into prayer, it's gotta be, there's got to be resignation. I mean, Jesus said in Matthew 26, 39, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He said again in Matthew 26, 42, My Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. That is a prayer of resignation. God wants us to tell him in prayer how... How we, I, how we have this thing in our life figured out. I believe God wants you to say that. God, I got this all figured out here. Please do this in Jesus' name, okay? Of course we want this to happen. Of course we want it to happen right now. Of course we want this thing out of our lives. And we bring that attitude into our prayers. Out, rotten problem. I do not want you. Out, in Jesus' name, see? Folks, you got to understand, you are very into you, and I am very into me. And we are very subjective about this deal we're going through, whatever that deal may be. And your understanding of my understanding of what's really going on is so narrow, it is so limited, we can't see. I said, we can't see why God's letting this whole thing go on while he's not removing it, while he's not making this happen. And see, we use the term big picture a lot, and that is a great term. 
Our view of this whole thing is so narrow, and God has a big picture view. And I pray we understand that. God really does see the future. He really does see what he wants to accomplish in you. He really does see how what's going on in your life is going to affect all these other lives. And, and, and he really does know what he's doing, folks. And his will is perfect. And Jesus accepted that. Listen, sometimes my will, is, my will is very much in line with the will of God, but a lot of times it isn't. And I tell myself over and over and over and over, my will is limited, my vision is limited, it's tainted by sin, but his will is perfect. We want the problem gone, but please understand that is narrow thinking. God wants to do something bigger and better and more important in your life. And we need to take that attitude of resignation into prayer. Listen, today we see, number one, that God is a great God. He is unlimited in all he is. His love, his power, his faithfulness to answer prayer. We've seen that um, he wants to hear and answer our prayer, and he's promised to do just that. We've seen that prayer has to sometimes be lonely. You know, we work through issues, and that takes time alone. And as we work through these issues, we build that relationship with God. We've seen that prayer is humble. Jesus fell on his face. We looked at Jacob. He lunged at the Lord and said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. We've seen that, you know, it's an attitude that knows its own limitations. We've seen that prayer is persistent. Jesus prayed until his father gave him a sense of release or breakthrough. And we've seen that prayer has to have an attitude of resignation. And through prayer, you really will change the world. And you really will change your life. And you really will change other lives. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.